You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello there, Blazers fans. Welcome to the Blazer Focus Podcast, brought to you by Bymart. I am Aaron Fentress, sports reporter for the Oregonian, covering the Portland Trailblazers. And we have an interesting podcast for you today because we have some breaking news to report on the Blazers. Guard C.J. McCollum, who broke his foot January 16th against Atlanta, was not listed on the team's injury report that was released Late afternoon on Monday, that means he is cleared to play Tuesday against New Orleans. They play Pelicans on Tuesday and Thursday, and then Dallas on Friday and Sunday. And it looks like McCullum will be back. There had been some indications recently that he could return this week. He'd been cleared for contact practicing uh, before the All-Star game. And Coach Doss said he was doing some one-on-ones pretty recently. He went on a trip to Minnesota but did not participate in those games, and now he is not on the injury report at all, which means he is going to play. This is huge news for the Blazers, and I'm glad it's happening because, quite frankly, I was getting bored with this team. We knew what they were without McCullum and Nurkic. They were beaten on bad teams with a couple upsets here and there, and they were getting defeated by good teams, especially the ones in the West, with an upset or two here or there. Now with McCullum back, we can get a better look at where this team is. Of course, this means a lot of different things. With Gary Trent Jr. is going to have to go back to the bench. Anthony Simons gets pushed further back on the bench. Now, I should also note that Yusuf Nurkic and Harry Giles are still both listed as out. Nurkic is supposed to be close to returning as well. There was video of him shooting three-pointers the other day with the broken wrist and looking, or a formerly broken wrist, and he was looking pretty good. He had a calf injury recently that Coach Stott said was bothering him. Maybe that prevented him from coming back sooner. Who knows? But anyway, we will take a look at what this means for the Blazers. Uh, I also will talk about this loss to Minnesota. Was it a big deal? Was it not? Of course, you know, losing a game like that is never good to the team that has the worst record in the league. But was it that big a deal? We'll get some comments from Damian Lillard on that from the post game and then talk about what a loss like that means. I'm also going to talk about Nasir Little, who's been playing pretty well lately, but has he turned the corner as a shooter? There's some signs that say yes, but some red flags as well. I'll get into that. And also I will take a look ahead at the week that's coming up. Man, they got the Pelicans twice and Dallas twice, as I mentioned, then Brooklyn. Woo! It's going to be a pretty crazy next five games for this team as they start diving deeper into this rugged second half schedule. I must point out that I finished this podcast at about three o'clock on Monday. Uh, our editor got it all paused and ready to roll. And then boom, we find out about CJ. So I had to go back and record some segments and this intro. Uh, in some other segments, there might be some parts where I mention 
Uh, we don't know for sure when those guys are coming back, but I didn't want to record those entire segments because they weren't really pertaining to when McCollum and Nurkic were going to come back. So forgive those, but I did re-record a segment because it became obsolete once it was announced that McCollum uh, was not on the injured list and thus more than likely ready to return to action. So anyway, here we go with the Blazer Focused Podcast. Okay, as I said earlier on the Blazer Focus podcast, I was getting a little bored with this team, man. I just, I got to the point where it was just like, okay, we, they're going to go out and they're going to beat a bad team and they're going to lose to a good team. And what does it matter? Because we don't know what any of this means really until CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic return. Uh, and it couldn't have happened at a better time, really, that McCollum at least is coming back and, and Nurkic should be back soon because this team was just sort of starting to tread water, I believe. They went on a nice run there. After a little bit of time getting used to not having those two, they won six in a row. That pushed them to 10 and five without Nurkic and CJ. And they were sitting at 18 and 10. And that's when all the talk started about, you know, Lillard being an MVP candidate and should he start in the all-star game, et cetera, et cetera. And then they proceeded to lose four in a row. Now they lost to Washington at home. Washington was not very good at the time. And then they lost at Phoenix big time, 132 to 100. And then they lost at Denver and then at the Lakers. So, that sort of brought things crashing down to earth a little bit. And if you look at them right now, since being 18 and 10, they've lost uh, six of their last 10. They're four and six since then and sit at 22 and 16 with one quality win that was over Gold State. So, you know, again, it, it just showed that they got hot against mostly bad teams and then they started playing some good teams from the West and boom, they crumbled. As a matter of fact, right now, they their record against the top 10 teams in the West is four and eight. So very few teams can go out there and have a nice strong record of 22 and 16 and then get two guys back like McCullum and Nurkic. It's almost like making a big trade or adding a couple free agents to an already pretty solid basketball team. What has to happen though, if this team is really going to remain, you know, in the running to be a top four seed in the Western Conference playoffs, is they have to fix the defense because they play so many games in the second half against so many good teams. You got the Suns again. They've already played them once. You got Utah twice. You got the Clippers twice. You got Brooklyn twice. You got Miami and Boston twice from the East. They're playing better. You know, there's just so many. You got Denver twice. Uh, they got the, the Grizzlies three times. So it's going to be rough. And, and if they can't play defense, they're going to have a hard time winning the bulk of those games, even with CJ and Nurkic. So Coach Terry Stott said the goal in the second half is to rank among the, the top 15 teams in the league in defensive rating from this point forward, from getting CJ and Nurk back forward. Now, is that possible? It, it kind of is, really. Now, without those two, they got no shot. The first three games, two Minnesota and one Phoenix, they have not looked any better at all on defense. But what you hope, if you're the Blazers, is that when you add that anchor Nurkic in the middle, and if he's in better shape than he was earlier in the season, and if you add CJ as a guard in the backcourt, even though he's not a great defender, he's right now, based on analytics, the best uh, guard defender you have on the team, then that should shore up some things on defense. And then you hope that all the things you said you were working on you know, early in the season when you still were struggling on defense with Nurkic and McCollum, that those things start to, to work together and it come together, I should say, and that you get Covington, McCollum, Jones, Lillard and Nurkic all on the same page. Now, defensively, Nurkic, based on 538 sports, has a plus 6.8 defensive rating. Cantor, who's played really well 
for the Blazers, especially in scoring and rebounding, but he's not known as being a great defender, is a minus 3.2. So that's a flip of basically a plus 10 in terms of just what type of defense you're going to be getting from the starting center moving forward. That's a huge upgrade. And that allows your perimeter guys to play more aggressively, gamble a little bit more, knowing they have Nurkic behind them. McCollum is at a plus 0.1. So he's actually a plus defender, not by much, but he still is a plus defender, and he is way ahead of the rest of the guards. Trent, who is a good defender, uh, by all accounts, he does some, some great things, but he's a minus 2.5. So that's an upgrade on overall efficiency from Trent to McCollum. And Lillard is a five, a minus 5.0, while Simons is a minus 6.3. So you're taking, you're, you're giving less minutes to a minus 6.3 and less minutes to a, a minus 2.5 and replacing those minutes with a McCollum who's about a scratch defender. So the combination of adding him and Nurkic to the lineup should make your defense better, regardless of what happened in the first 13 games when I think they ranked 27th, even with those guys, because you would hope that everyone else has improved in terms of Covington and Jones and, and, and understanding the, the, the flow of their defense and, and the schemes of their, of their defense so that they can play better together. Because that was always the complaint, right? We're making mistakes. We're not playing as well together. The communication's off. We're still learning. Okay, well, at some point, that stops being you know legitimate and starts being like, okay, well, you guys might still be working on those things, but you're still bad at them, and why should we ever believe you're going to be good at them? So with these guys coming back, it's going to be fascinating to see if they can really improve on defense to that degree, can they rank 13th or 14th from here on out? We shall see. Offensively, you're going to be better simply because McCollum's better than Trent and Simons. But I feel like Trent and Simons did such a good job sort of replicating CG in many ways that the offense is going to be better, but not leaps and bounds better. Like they're not going to go from 114 a game to 125 or something like that. They'll just become a better and have a guy on the court where this is really going to help is that when teams double Lillard, he's now going to get the ball to someone like CJ who is going to make defenses pay for sending two defenders at Lillard. Whereas when he went to Trent or Simons, he would make, they would make people pay, excuse me, but not as you know potently as McCollum is going to be able to do. So that will help as well. But anyway, this is big news for the Blazers that McCollum is back now. Nurkic could be back at any moment as well. And then we can really get a look at what the Portland Trailblazers are truly all about. Okay, let's get to this loss to the Timberwolves on Sunday. There's no way around the fact that this is a bad loss. The Timberwolves are 9-30, worst record in the league. Uh, You just beat them the night before, and you're playing them again. They're without D'Angelo Russell their second or third best player, however you want to shake it behind Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Uh, and, and if you're the Blazers, you have such a rough schedule coming up the second half of the season. You play a ton of games against the top 10 teams in the West, uh, games you did not play a lot of in the first half because the first half you were loaded with single games against the top teams in the West, and now you have to play those teams twice in the second half. So to lose to a team like Minnesota could only compound the problem moving forward. So to me, it's a bad loss regardless. Now, the question is, is it an end of the world loss? Well, of course it's not. You would like to have seen them sweep the Timberwolves, regardless of the fact that it was on the road, regardless of the fact that it was a back-to-back situation on the road, which can be tough. It's still Minnesota. You're still the Blazers. You're in the thick of a intense and competitive playoff race. 
and you have a really tough schedule ahead. But that being said, these things do happen, and it's not as if the Timberwolves don't have talent. So I asked Lillard about the situation and, and sort of pointed out to him, you know, hey, there's some fans, you know, who are freaking out about it. And on Twitter, some fans were freaking out. Some were like, eh, it's just the NBA. It's just a matter of perspective. But I just sort of asked Lillard, like, look, are you guys stuck in mud a little bit? You've lost two or three after having such good momentum going into the All-Star break. Granted, Phoenix is a good team, but you had them at home. And then you split with the Timberwolves to fall to one and two in the second half. Excuse the rough audio. This is from post game after the loss to the Timberwolves. Here is what he had to say. Damn, you, you guys had a lot of good momentum coming out of the first half of the season. You're one and two to start, lost to the team that has the worst record in the league. I know it's just three games in. I know it's back to back on the road, et cetera, et cetera. And, and like you, you said last night, that's an NBA team with some good players. But what is this? What does this type of performance mean in terms of where you guys are? Are you guys stuck in mud at all, waiting for CJ and Nurk to come back? Or is it just one of those nights? How would you characterize this? Because a lot of fans are, you know, obviously freaking out about something like this. We lost the game. You know what else to say? Um, obviously, we do, we, we do what we do uh, for our fans. We love our fans, but we're the ones out there playing. You know, it's... It's the NBA. You're not just going to go out there and just because a team has a bad record, they're not going to lay down and let you beat them. Um, that's the way it works. You lose games sometimes. Um, you know, we we not losing games on purpose. I wouldn't say we stuck in mud. It's just you got to you got to earn wins. You know? We won last night. We lost tonight. You know, I don't think it's really um, a big deal. I think if you watch the game and the team shoots 40 free throws and then you know. The rook, Anthony Edwards, he had a great game. You know, he scored 34 points. He made some big shots down the stretch. He, he was feeling confident. Um, you know, and that was bad. It happens. You know, it's the NBA. So, people pissed off or got an uh, issue with it. Um, you know, it happens all the time in the league. Utah went to Golden State today, and they the number one team in the West. And got blasted. So, I mean, it happens. Okay, there you have it. That was kind of a long answer there. But he didn't say anything that was incorrect. I think sometimes... You can get caught into fixating on the records of the two teams that are playing and expecting team A to beat team B. But the NBA is extremely random. Like it, it just is. There's no rhyme or reason. That's one of the reasons why they play seven game series because any team can beat any team regardless of their record, regardless of who's in, who's out, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that they lost this game, while yeah, it's, it's a bad loss, bad losses happen. I mean, that's the thing. Like we can sit here and say, they shouldn't lose this game because it's a bad loss. But the reality is, is that teams lose games like this because it's the NBA and every team has talent. And here's a number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards, you know, 34 points, six of 14 on, on three, some clutch threes in the fourth quarter. Three years from now, this guy could start becoming a perennial all-star. And then you look back at it and it's like, oh, they lost to a team with Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. That's a great duo. Right now, it doesn't look so great because they've been so weak this season for a lot of different reasons. I think part of the reason why the record is so bad is that Towns has only played 19 games this season. So sometimes we can overblow these things. And it's also important to understand the Blazers are not the only team who's had problems like this. I mean, the the Lakers lost at 5-14 and Detroit early this season. The, um, The Timberwolves just beat the Pelicans by 30. And then the Pelicans come back and beat the Clippers, one of the best teams in the NBA by far, beat them by 20. 
a couple of days later. That's a 50-point swing if you're the Pelicans from playing the worst team in the league based on the record and then playing a top-four team in the Clippers. You lost to one by 30, and then you beat the better team by 20. How does that make any sense? That's the NBA. So we, we shouldn't make too much of it, but it's still, you know, it's, it still was a bad loss. But at the end of the day, like I said in the intro, th- this team is not above losing a, to a, a team like that. They're just not. You know, their schedule has been pretty light since Nurk and CJ went down. And they feasted on a lot of mediocre teams. And so if you're going to feast on mediocre teams and lose to the good teams, chances are at some point a mediocre to bad team is going to catch up to you. You know, they lost to the Wizards at home. The Wizards were, you know, 7-17 and or something like that when they lost that game. Uh, They lost to the Knicks. Think about this. Talk about bad losses. Philadelphia lost to the Blazers when the Blazers were minus Nurk, CJ, and Lillard. Now, that's a bad loss. And then the Blazers win that game, get Lillard back, and the next day lose at the Knicks. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Of course it doesn't. So anyway, I don't think we should make too much of that loss. I think it was just one of those games where you just, hey, you had, you had a bad day. There's a song, right? You had a bad day. And that's just what happened with them. Actually, it was a bad night, and it came on a back-to-back, and they won the first game. And it was a tough, you know, Lillard said it was a tough game the first time. So the fact that they came back and lost the second game is not unheard of and not a huge deal moving forward. You are listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. Moving along to the next segment of the Blazer Focused Podcast brought to you by Bymart. I wanted to talk a little bit about Nasir Little. Forward, first round pick from 2019, a very promising player for the Blazers. He has gone through a lot. He's suffered several injuries. He began the season uh, dealing with COVID-19, which cost him all of training camp in the first, uh, I can't remember how many games, but he missed a lot of time. And he's really shown some flashes of being a baller. Like the other day against Minnesota, he had a couple really nice dunks. He, he showed his athleticism, his strength, his, his power. He's, he's a pretty well-built guy. But the biggest question mark about him has been, you know, can he develop as a shooter? He was not a good shooter at uh, North Carolina at all. And he's been working on it. He says he's been working on it. And there's been some signs that he has really developed as a shooter. However, there is sort of a caveat to that. So I'm going to get into that and just sort of give my impression of where I think Nasir Lil is. Now, he is shooting right now 40% on threes, 18 for 45. That's a big jump from his rookie season when he shot 23.7%. However, over Little's last seven games with Portland, he is four of 20 from three-point range for 20%. Prior to that stretch, he was 12 of 20, 60%. Now, we all know these things happen. You have ups and downs, et cetera, et cetera. So that's not a big deal. The bottom line is 40%. He had a good stretch. He had a bad stretch. No problem. My reservation right now, though, comes from the fact that the bulk of his really good three-point shooting has happened in two games both of which were blowout losses for the Blazers. So let's go to February 1 at Milwaukee. Little started, actually. He went 11 of 18, scored 30 points, a career high. He was 5 of 7 on threes. Now, he began the game well. 
he had nine points at halftime. He made two of three threes. So in you know the first two quarters when the game's in doubt, he was doing his thing and playing well. But in the second half, it was it was it was 79 56 at halftime. So the game wasn't over over, but it was getting close to over. In the second half, he scored 21 points. 14 came in the fourth quarter after the game was definitely over. And the starters were pretty much all out. So he scored 21 points when the game was pretty much a blowout, 14 of which came in the fourth quarter when the game was over. So, you know, he did well early, but the bulk of that 30 points, the bulk of the shooting he did was done in a game that was over. There's no pressure. There's no, you're not in a high leverage situation. Teams are, you know, they're not on defense. They're not going to be flying out to shooters as much when you're up by 25, 30 points, et cetera, et cetera. Now let's go to February 2nd. The Blazers lost 132 to 100 at Phoenix. Little made four seven shots, three of six threes to score 18 points. Okay. However, all 18 points came in the fourth quarter. Again, the game was over and he went out there and he scored 18 points. If we take away those two games in which he combined to shoot eight of 13 from three point range, that leads him at 10 of 32 on threes, which is 31.3%. Again, it's still improvement, but it's not as dramatic when you take away the points he scored largely in blowout losses when the games were out of reach. And then when you factor in the last seven games when he has not been playing well at all in terms of shooting threes, at least, uh, it still makes you wonder what he's going to be as a shooter. Has he really turned the corner or did he just have a hot stretch that included a couple of, of big performances in blowout losses? In the, in the two games at Minnesota, he was zero for seven from three uh, in those two games. So I still think there's a great potential there. You know, he, he has some defensive abilities. I think that was one of his major calling cards coming out of North Carolina. But even there, according to 538, he's a minus 3.7 on defense right now. And Stotts said he's still a work in progress in that area, and he's still learning. And guys, when they're on the floor with him, are, are helping him. And that makes sense. I mean, he missed a ton of time last year. So to expect him to be polished in any way, shape, or form, of, of course, would be completely ridiculous. He missed a lot of time. He missed the entire bubble, and he missed a lot of time to start the season. So this is very much a work in progress. There are some flashes, but, man, I want to see more consistent shooting from him when it matters. You know, in games that are still in doubt and where he's actually making a huge difference and contributing to winning on a consistent basis. All right, final segment here on the Blazer Focus podcast. I'm going to look ahead to this week. The Blazers will host the Pelicans on Tuesday and Thursday and then play Dallas on Friday and Sunday. That'll be the uh, final two showdowns between Lillard and Luka Doncic. Uh, you know, look, the Pelicans, I don't know what to make of the Pelicans. Like I told you earlier, they blew out the Clippers. They got blown out by the Timberwolves. And the Blazers barely won a very close game against them a while back. So I could easily see that being a split. And the Dallas series clearly to me is going to be a split. The thing about Dallas right now is that they are kind of starting to make their push. They're starting to play better basketball and be what a lot of people thought they were going to be at the start of the season. They began the season slowly. At one point they were... 8 and 10. No, they were 8 and 13, heck. And then after being 8 and 13, they won 5 of 6. And then they lost to Portland, right? But since losing to Portland, that left them at 13 and 15 on February 14th. They've won 7 of 9. 
And that includes wins over Boston, Brooklyn, San Antonio, and Denver. Their two losses were to Oklahoma City, another example of how do you lose to Oklahoma City right before you beat Denver, and they lost to Philly, which, I, which clearly is a, is a quality loss. So they're playing really well. And I would say right now that if the Blazers don't get CJ and or Nurkic back at some point this week, that there's no way they're going to win both of those games against Dallas. They can clearly win one, but I can't see them sweeping. Uh, so right now I'm thinking two and two this week for the Blazers. I, I just don't think that they're playing consistently well enough against solid teams. And the Pelicans, for all their issues, they're still a solid team. They're still a threat. So I could see that being a split as well. And then they play the Nets. The Nets have been out without Durant. I don't know when he's coming back. That's going to be next Tuesday. But there's your next five games for the Blazers before they head out on a road trip to Miami, Orlando, Toronto, and Detroit. So I'm, I'm thinking right now, if they do not get Nurk and CJ back in these next five games, I think they go two and three. I think if they get one of those guys back, they can go three and two. If they get both back, they're a firm three and two with a shot at four and one depending on when exactly they come back. But it's going to definitely be an interesting stretch. Now, Nurkic was seen on video uh, that he a video he posted on Twitter shooting threes at Minnesota during warm-ups. Okay? For me, it's 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 a good sign that he was on the trip to Minnesota even though he didn't play because he easily could have just stayed back in Portland and, and worked out and not made the trip to Minnesota for the weekend. But the fact that he was there, I think, you know, he's he's doing things with them and getting ready to come back. A calf injury probably has kept him from returning already, but his wrist looked great. He was shooting threes and draining them. So I think as soon as his calf is fine, we're going to see him back right away. Like it, it could happen any day. They could announce in the next injury report for either the Tuesday game or the Thursday game against the Pelicans, we could hear Nurkic is playing. CJ has reportedly said he hopes to become, be coming back this week. Um, he was cleared for contact practices prior to the All-Star break, which was a huge sign for him. He'd been playing some one-on-ones as well at practice. So he is clearly close. So again, I expect any day we'll see an announcement saying, you know, Lillard, excuse me, McCollum, sorry, is available. You know, I think it's just going to be that simple or someone might break it. We'll see. But anyway, interesting week ahead. But again, until I see CJ Nurk, you know, in the lineup, it just doesn't matter to me what happens from here out. We know what's going to happen. We've seen this team without those two. We know what they are. All that matters is when those two come back, can this team make a push? Can this team, you know, defeat a lot of these tough games coming up? I mean, listen to this. You've got, after you go on that East Coast trip to Miami, Orlando, Toronto, and Detroit, you come back from Milwaukee. Then you got to go to the Clippers, Utah pretty soon after that. You got Boston, San Antonio, Clippers, Denver. You got three with Memphis in, in four games, which is a, you know, interesting team. I mean, they're, they're above 500. They're still in the playoff mix or they're right at 500. Sorry. And then you got Brooklyn again, Boston. You got the end this season with Clippers, excuse me, Lakers, Spurs, uh, Utah, Phoenix, and Denver in the five of the last six games with Houston thrown in there. Like it's just going to be a wild couple of months and it's going to be even more fascinating once Nurkic and CJ return. Anyway, that's it for this episode of the Blazer Focus podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe. We're going to start cranking up the number of podcasts we we do. We just sort of been diving into this slowly and different things have been going on, but I'm going to start cranking these out more often. Be sure to subscribe so you can keep up with uh, all the Blazer news and of course whatever takes I have based on what's going on. I want to thank again Bymart for being our sponsor. And I'll be back again later this week. Thanks for listening.